you will, open up your Bible to John chapter 9. It will be at page 1139 in your pew Bible. And I'm going to begin reading in verses 1 and ending in 7. John chapter 9. As he passed by, he saw a blind man, a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with his saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. I was just chomping at the bit to get up here, but I see I'm getting set up to not make 930 again. So I'm going to blame it on the minister of announcements if it doesn't get there. John chapter 9. Please do pray for us as we go to camp. It is exciting to know that six out of the 11 are kids that we would not say are a part of our church family, did not grow up as part of our church family. And so to many of you Awana leaders, thank you. Uh, It has been a huge blessing and encouragement, even as we are getting to see the fruit of that, as we have a number of our Awana kids that are going to camp. And so we're excited. We aren't worried about shark attacks. My bed would be on snakes. We are going to be in the mountains. So, you know, we'll just go with the snakes this time and make Jenny feel a whole lot better about this. John chapter 9. We have been looking at the call of Christ to different people through this study. We have seen uh, Luke chapter 9, three men and a a scribe and two others that have been called to have a singular focus on Christ. We've seen the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4 who Jesus called to have a a satisfied longing for him, that he is the living water. Mark 10, we saw that Jesus called the rich young ruler to make a sacrificial decision to follow Christ, to give everything to the poor and follow him. Last week we looked at Zacchaeus. Jesus called him to have a surrendered relationship. This week we want to look at this blind beggar Jesus is calling to have a solid belief in him. In John chapter 9, just a little bit of background, John chapter 8, 9, and 10 are tied very closely together, even in the way that they are written. And so in chapter 8, I I want us to jump back just real quick to verse 31 and see that John has painted this picture. And so our Awana kids will know that John is writing for what, kids? Why is John writing? That we would believe in Jesus, that he is the Son of God, that he is the Messiah. This is God in the flesh. But we've seen in in John chapter 2, that while he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw his signs that he was doing. But verse 24 says, but Jesus did not, on his part, entrust himself to them, because he knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man, for he knew what was in man. And so we see, even starting in John chapter 2, that there are those that believe in him because of his signs, but they don't believe. They, they, They like the signs, they like the miracles, but they do not have a solid belief in who Jesus is. John chapter 8, verse 31, Jesus said to the Jews, who had believed in him, 
If you buy in my word, you are truly my disciples. And if you follow on down there, you see at the end of that chapter that they pick up stones and are going to stone him. So here are people who had believed. They, they liked his miracles. They liked what Jesus was doing. They liked the, the show. But they did not believe. So the background of this is here's these people that are following him. They're claiming that they are the offspring of Abraham and Jesus. And it, towards the end of chapter 8 says basically, you can't be the offspring of Abraham. Abraham believed me. He obeyed me. Abraham left all to follow where I told him to go. And so he says, you're of your father, the devil. He's a murderer and a liar. And ironically, at the end of the chapter, they're ready to murder him. Proving Jesus' point. And so Jesus hides himself and leaves the temple there at the end of chapter 8 and verse 59. And he goes out of the temple. And as he passed by, there's our connector. And as he passed by, so he leaves the temple, he's passing by, he sees this man blind from birth, and the disciples ask him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Here is the disciples' question. Many believed in Judaism that a infirmity such as blindness or a health issue or something like that, it was the cause of God's judgment. Somebody has sinned that this would have happened. Who sinned? And so here's their false dilemma. Jesus, you have two options. Either his parents sinned or he sinned. Who sinned? Disciples sound much like Job's friends. Obviously, Job, you've messed up somewhere. God is judging you. And they have this idea, much like we do today, that anything bad that's going to happen is God's judgment on this person. And so they put up this false dilemma here's your choices jesus either his parents sin or he sinned but jesus is going with choice c what he says is not that this man sinned or his parents but that the works of god might be displayed in him jesus brings about this third option god is going to use this man's blindness now john and even in his book as he is writing in his gospel about jesus being god He is going to point out, and if you read it with this idea, John's miracles, he continually points out that these are big miracles. For example, you start with the water turned into wine. You have the man laying at the pool who has been had this infirmity for 38 years. John is pointing out to us, these these are big miracles. Okay? This man was blind from birth. This is not like he just got some disease in his eye and he got something stuck in it and he couldn't see and then Jesus somehow with his mud washed out this thing that was in his eye and wow I can see no this man had been born blind everybody knew he was blind but here John walks us through this blind man's journey of faith and so our call today I want us to see this man's solid belief number one his belief is demonstrated in obedience Jesus is going to do this incredible miracle to prove a point that this man was born blind, that God and his sovereignty had a purpose for what this man was going through. God sovereignly was planning for something big that was going to glorify him. He's born blind. In fact, if you look at verse 32, turn to verse 32 real quick in chapter 9. Look what he says. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. 
this man was sitting here going, you know what, I've heard all the stories, I've heard people talk about history, never once has anybody ever talked about somebody being born blind and being healed, he had no hope. And so just for a minute, let's, let's think about this man, here he is, he's begging by the temple, he's heard of this Jesus He's heard of the stories, he's heard of the Pharisees and how they hate him. Maybe he even heard some of the conversation in chapter 8 where Jesus claims to be the great I am, that he is God. And he's sitting by the temple and, and here comes Jesus. He's, uh, the beggar has heard the commotion going on. These people are getting ready to stone this man. And all of a sudden he hears these people coming by. And for a minute, put yourself in his shoes. He's blind. Blind people, if you've ever known known, make up for their blindness by the use of their other senses. I knew a, there's a blind preacher. He, ju- he just retired a couple years ago in Fredericksburg, Virginia. He had started a church and grown it to be over 1,000 people. He had been blind since a teenager. He had designed the building in his head and drawn it on a napkin for the architect. He could walk around. There were people that were in his church for a year that did not know he was blind. If he heard your voice one time, he could remember it. And if he heard your voice again, he'd call you by name. They make up for their blindness. So just imagine, here's this man sitting by the road. And he begins to hear this discussion. Maybe there were other beggars there, maybe there weren't. But he hears a discussion, who sinned that this man was born blind? The disciples obviously knew and had seen this beggar before and Here's this beggar, he was born blind, he has no hope of being healed. And so here is the spiritual question, who sinned? Was it this man? And even in Judaism, they believe that uh, a mother that had worshipped pagan gods could influence their child, even in the womb, and that they would be born blind. And so they're asking, did this man do something in the womb, or was it his parents? And you can imagine that he's sitting there going, hmm, I wonder how this one's going to turn out. And so Jesus says, no, he's been healed, that the works of God might be displayed in him. And all of a sudden you get a little hope. If this man truly is the great I am, and if this man truly is who he's claiming to be, maybe something good is about to happen. But in verse 32, nobody's ever heard of this happening. And so we get to this big climax. Now, just for a moment, let's pretend we're blind. Everybody close your eyes. No, this isn't the invitation. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. You just heard a man say, for the works of God, this will glorify God. And you hear this. And you do just what Jessica did. You open your eyes, right? You're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Who's spitting at me and why? All right, open your eyes. For a minute, you hear this. And you hear this. And all of a sudden, you feel this wetness on your eyes. That's not a good day. Right? That's not a good day. Dude just hawked a loogie in the dirt and started stirring it up and puts it on my eyes. What in the world is going on? And Jesus says to him, go wash in the pool of Shalom. And you say, you know what? I just don't know about that deal. Maybe the man's sitting there going, well, I don't have much hope of anything else. Maybe this will work. But everybody, when we come to this context and we come to this passage, when you hear this passage preached, everybody wants to jump to verse 25, right? 
This one thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. But folks, listen to me. Your belief does not start in your experience. Listen very carefully. Belief in Jesus does not start in your experience. It starts by an understanding of his word. It is the word of Christ here that starts this man down a path towards belief. It did not start with the healing. Jesus puts this spittle in this mud on his eyes and tells him to go to wash. And this man starts his path towards faith and a belief in who Christ is by getting up and obeying. Faith in Jesus Christ must come through the word of Christ. It was the word of Christ in chapter 8 that upset the people that had believed. Oh, they liked his miracles, but when Jesus started teaching who he was, and we don't have time to look at it, but you can go back and read chapter 8, when he started teaching that he was God, and that he was the great I am, and that this is who he was, they didn't like it anymore. Folks, if you are going to believe in Christ, it is not about what you like or don't like. It is about what he said. Did you get that? If you are going to believe in Christ, it is not about what you like or don't like. It is about what he said. And here's a man that Jesus says, go and wash, and look what he does. And he went and washed. And he came back seen. Folks, for a lot of people, this would be enough. Hallelujah, I obeyed, I trusted, I knew what he said, I went, I washed my eyes, I've been healed, and I am good. But notice, he doesn't start up there. And Jesus doesn't stop there. Because his faith, his belief, is also demonstrated by his testimony. Look at verse 11. We'll start in verse 8. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is not this a man who used to sit and beg? And some said, It is he. Others said, No, but he is like him. And he kept saying, I am the man. So here he goes. He goes and washes in the pool. He comes back. Jesus isn't there. He's gone. He gets back and the people are like, Isn't this the guy? I mean, we've seen him every day up here by the temple. Isn't this guy? No, it couldn't be. And so there's this discussion going on. And the Bible says, he kept saying, here's my testimony. I am the man. They're shocked. They don't know what to do. And they they answer, how were your eyes, or ask him, how were your eyes open? And he answered, the man called Jesus. Made mud and anointed my eyes and said, Go to the Shalom and wash. So I went and received my sight. And they said, Where is he? And he says, I don't know. He does, has not yet come to believe and know who Jesus is. All he knows is what Jesus has done for him. And so his belief, his journey, started with obedience. And now he begins to testify of what God has begun to do in his life. And he says, Listen, I am the man. And I know my eyes were open. How? I'm not sure. But I can testify, this Jesus made mud, anointed my eyes, I went and washed, and now I can see. Look at verse 13. They brought him to the Pharisees. So the neighbors bring him to the Pharisees, the religious leaders. Hey, this guy's been born blind. The Pharisees, on their way to the temple, had seen him every day. They knew who this guy was. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made mud and opened his eyes, and so the Pharisees again asked him how he'd received his sight. So the the Pharisees have been told, they've asked him, how he'd received his sight, and they realize, whoa, whoa, whoa. Instead of rejoicing for this man, they get hung up on their tradition. 
Jesus likes to rock the boat. He likes to rock their tradition. And so they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. You're supposed to keep the Sabbath day holy, and we have all these rules on what that actually looks like. It's not in the Bible, but this is kind of what we believe. And so the Pharisees rather rejoice with this man that they've been seen sitting by the, the road begging. They begin to find out all the religious ways that this isn't of God and this is wrong. And they begin to ask him again, how did you receive his sight? And he said, he put mud on my eyes and I washed and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, but he does not, for he doesn't keep the Sabbath. Others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division again. And so they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? And he said, he is a prophet. Jump down. Verse 24. So the second time they called the man who has been born blind and said, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He says, whether he's a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, though, I was blind and now I see. This is like one of those old detective shows. Right? Where the guy gets put in the interrogation room. The detective comes in. What happened? What happened on the night of March the 3rd? And so the guy gives his account. What happens? He walks out. The next guy walks in. Gives the man a cigarette. Hey, what happened on Mar- the night of March the 3rd? Next guy walks in. Gives the man a Pepsi. What happened on March? Wh- what's going on? They're trying to trap him in. Hey, we want to make sure this story's right. So my dad used to say, if you tell the truth, you don't have to worry about how you made up the story. Right? They're trying to trap him in a lie. Somehow this guy, something has happened. They've done the switcheroo. He had a twin brother. Something's going on here. But he be- continues to demonstrate his faith, his belief by his testimony. He, begins, he continues to tell them. But folks, listen. The man does not stop just by telling what Christ had done as his life. His belief is also demonstrated by his arguments. Look at verse 27. He says, I told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear again? So they've been having these discussions. Now, now remember now, this is not Nicodemus. This is not a man trained in the law. This is not a man trained in debate. This is not an educated person. This is a beggar that has been sitting by the road. And if you, you're like me or anybody else, hey, I, I don't, man, I just don't know if I can get into a religious discussion with these guys. These guys are super duper spiritual. They know the law. And so when they begin to ask him these questions such as, hey, listen, is this, this man must be a sinner. What do you say about him? I don't know. He's a prophet. Well, no, no, no. Uh, he, he's a sinner. Give glory to God. We know that he's a sinner. And this man very easily could have said, you know what? I've been healed. I don't need this. I'm out of here. I'm moving on. But he doesn't. This man's belief is such that he begins, even in his journey of faith, to begin to investigate who this Jesus is. Because they say, the Pharisees, give glory to God. We know that this man's a sinner. We have it all figured out. This man is a sinner. Look what his answer is. He answers, whether he's a sinner, I do not know. But one thing I know, though I was blind, now I see. And they said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I've already told you and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear again? Do you also want to become his disciple? This is kind of, to take it back to your junior high days, this is kind of the, like the, the, the girl that always asked about a certain boy, Right? 
Hey, what about Jimmy? Or maybe, maybe for you, you guys, the guy that was always asking, so what, you think Susie likes me? Did she look at me? Did she get my note? Did she check yes or no? And what is usually the response, right? They ask enough, you say, what, do you like her? No, I don't like her. You like her, right? You, you, you know, sitting in a tree, I mean, you like her. She, your girlfriend, you know, that kind of thing. That's exactly their response here. The man says, well, <laughs> what do you want to know so much for? You want to be his disciple? Look what they say. They reviled him saying, you are his disciple. Do you want to be his disciple? No, you are his disciple. Well, that's a, this is some serious debate here for like a fourth grader, right? You're his disciple. We're not his disciple. We are Moses' disciple. What does Moses have to do with the price of rice in China in this discussion? Moses isn't here? Oh, no, no, no. We're Moses' disciple. They've already tried Abraham in the previous chapter. Now they're Moses' disciple. And again, this man could have just backed down and said, fine, be Moses' disciple. I'm going to the guy that healed me. Look what he says. They said, we know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. And this man continues on. In his journey of faith, he has grown in his boldness to who this guy is as he investigates who this Christ is. Look what he says. This is an amazing thing. You're making all these comments about whether he is a sinner, and he's not obviously not from God, and he's a sinner, and he doesn't keep the Sabbath. But you don't even know where he comes from. And yet he opened my eyes? Whoa, whoa, you just said, you know he's a sinner, he's not from God, but then in the same argument, you're going to say, well, we don't know where he comes from, so we're going to stick with Moses. We didn't know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anybody is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. And never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. What an argument from an educated man. This is what he's saying. From all of creation, you want to be Moses' disciples? Is that who you're going to claim to follow? Did Moses ever heal a blind man? No, we have no record, he says, of anybody ever being healed from birth as a blind man. Nobody's ever healed a blind man. So you want to go with Moses? Is that where you, yeah, he did the ten plagues, but he never healed a blind man that was born blind from birth. This man did. And obviously God doesn't hear the, the prayer of sinners. God is obviously doing work here. And this man was not from God. He could do nothing. And look at their answer. So here's the religious elite, the educated. They've already gone back to third grade, right? You want to be his disciple. They said, you were born in utter sin. And would you teach us? And they cast him out. This is, this is like going back again to being like, well, you, you're, you're dumb. And walking away from an argument. Right? Back when I was in college, it was your mom. That was always the, the end all of all argument. Well, your mom, and they'd walk away. Hey, you're, you're a sinner too. And they'd, they'd throw him out of the temple. And you think, well, man. I mean, here's a man, obeyed Christ, began to follow Christ, and what happened? He begins, and we didn't even look at it, but his parents wouldn't even answer these Pharisees. They didn't want to be cast out. And, and, and so he's even standing up against his parents and, and all the things that are going on. And so he, 
He's all alone. The most glorious day of his life and he's being cast out by the religious elite. I mean, his life has been gloriously changed and his parents won't even stand on his side. And we get to verse 35. And Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And having found him, he said, isn't it interesting, we even brought it up a little bit with Zacchaeus last week. And if you, if you continue on, in just a couple of verses, you get to chapter 10, where the Bible says Jesus is the good shepherd that goes looking for a sheep. Luke will say, the Son of Man comes to seek and to save that which was lost. And what does Jesus know? Jesus knows that it's an incredible miracle to heal this blind man that was born blind. He knows it's a life-changing miracle. And now his life has been changed and this man no longer is going to have to sit by the side of the road and beg for food. And like I said, for most of us, that would be enough. Jesus healed him. His life has been gloriously changed and he can go away now. Jesus also knows that just because he has physically been born blind, that that healing will only last for a short time, and then he will die. What Jesus knows now is that this man needs more than physical healing. This man needs spiritual healing. And he comes and says, Do you believe in the Son of Man? The word for the Messiah back in chapter 5, verse 27, that this Son of Man, Jesus, has been given authority to judge. This title reflects in the book of John as one who is the revelation of God to man. He says, do you believe in the Messiah? Do you believe in this Son of Man, God, come in the flesh, the one that will rule and reign? Do you believe in this Son of Man? He says, and who is he, sir, that I might believe in him? He is definitely interested. He has definitely heard teaching on it. Yes, I I would if I knew who he was. Everybody's been looking for the Messiah. What Jesus said, you have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Here's this man's faith journey. He begins by an obedience to the word of God. Go, wash, and he obeys. Begins in seeing his belief, as seen in his testimony, and even in his argument and his stand for Christ. But folks, he has to come to a point that he realizes who Christ is. And Jesus says, I am the one standing in front of you. He says, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Can you imagine Just for a moment, if you look down, verse 40, some of the Pharisees heard these things and said to him, are we also blind? So there are Pharisees that are even standing there and they're they're seeing this interaction. And here is this man, his family, his parents are like, he's old enough. We don't want to get kicked out of the synagogue. You ask him. The religious elite have kicked him out. He has nowhere to worship. And yet there are people standing around. And when Jesus says, I am the Son of Man. I am God. Come in the flesh. Do you believe on me? The Bible says he worshiped. That word means to lay prostrate. 
Can you imagine as a crowd is standing around him and he realizes that he is standing before the King of Kings, the Messiah, the one and only true God come in the flesh. And he falls down on, the, on his face in front of the only one worthy of worship. The difference, folks. The difference in chapter 8 for those that had believed and the man born blind is the action, the change in his life when it is revealed who Jesus is. It consumed him. His belief changed everything. Lose mom and dad? We've already talked about that. Yep, I did. Lose any standing with a religious elite? Yep. I did. Doesn't care what anybody else standing around there? Nope. Hey, this is the guy they were ready to stone. Are you really going to side with him? Look at the Bible says. Jesus said, verse 39, For judgment I came into the world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Jesus says, here's the deal. Picture, a perfect picture what Christ is trying to do spiritually. He finds this man. I am the light of the world. He heals a blind man. And he says, this is the picture. I have come into the world for the blind. Zacchaeus. Remember Zacchaeus last week? He was blind. He knew he was a sinner. He knew he had a wicked life. He knew that he needed a savior. He knew he needed something. Jesus, I've come to those blind people. Son of man has come to seek and save that which is lost. I'm going and looking for, as the good shepherd, the lost sheep. He says, so that the blind people would see. But folks, what I'm afraid of, especially in our American Christianity, is we have a lot of the second kind of people. We have a lot of the people that think they see. This is the Pharisees. This is the religious elite. Hey, we don't need this Jesus. He claims to be God. No, no, no. We have our tradition. We're disciples of Moses. We're disciples of Abraham. We know the Bible. We have all these traditions. And when we get to heaven, I am sure our traditions and our dedication to religion and all the things that we think will get us in God's graces when we get there. Man, when we get there, we won't have to worry. We we don't need him. Jesus says, I've come, one, so that blind people that know they need help will see. But I've also come to reveal to those that think they see that they are blind. Folks, you cannot come to the word of God. Christ comes and says, listen, you have got to make a choice. What do you believe about me? This man realizing that Jesus is the Son of Man, God come in the flesh, the one prophesied of old, the one that would come and die for our sins, and he worships. The blind man is made to see. But I wonder how many of us are sitting here today thinking we see, but are really blind. Think that, hey, listen, God healed me, and so obviously I'm good. 
praise the Lord, I'll show up at church, I'll do this, I'll do that, but God has blessed me, I, I have enough money, I have a nice house, I have health, I have whatever it is. Obviously, he's on my side. This man was healed from his blindness, and yet he needed something more. And Jesus came looking for him. It wasn't something he did. Jesus came and found him and said, you need something greater than just physical healing. You need spiritual healing. You're spiritually blind. Folks, I wonder how many here today would say, you know what? I've been going after a whole lot of religious things. Thinking somehow showing up for an hour or two on Sunday morning and maybe an hour on Wednesday night Maybe being good to my neighbor and not kicking the dog and being nice to my wife or my husband is somehow going to get me into heaven. Listen, folks, what are you going to do with Jesus? Because even as I studied this passage this week, it still terrifies me that reading in John chapter 2 and then John chapter 8 that there were some that believed, quote-unquote, that had a belief in Jesus and liked the idea of heaven and liked the idea of good things and that, that, that the miracles and people getting healed and all these religious things. Man, we like those things. We like to sit in our pew and think of, man, if I, I pray this prayer, I can just live however I want. But we like that idea of having that ticket into heaven. But as we have seen, even in the past days in our country, there are a lot of people that claim to believe, but they don't like the teaching of Jesus. Well, that, man, that, Pastor, that, that's, the, the Bible's just harsh there. Man, I just don't like the way he, you know, I, I, I enjoy the religious thing, and I like, I, I like the idea of religion, and, and I like the idea of heaven, but man, Jesus just... I, you know, when it comes to this issue or that issue, I just don't know that I can believe him. A solid belief means you are all in. A solid belief in Christ means that you are all in and you don't get to pick and choose what you want to obey. The Pharisees wanted to pick and choose. And they even asked him. Some of the Pharisees heard these things and said, are we also blind? Jesus said, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. He said, you are so wrapped up in your religion and in your tradition, you can't even see your own sin. Folks, that should scare us. It should make us, as Paul say, work out our salvation with fear and trembling. That we are not somehow caught up calling ourselves believers or followers of Christ and we're caught up in some game that I just want the good things that come along with it, but I don't want Christ. I've got it all taken care of. I'm good enough. My life's good. I've been healed. I've got wealth and health. All the things that are being promised by preachers everywhere in America. Listen, folks. Jesus knew health and wealth does nothing for your eternity. Oh, now you can see, now you can get a job? You still need something more. You need Jesus. Every head bowed, every eye closed. No one looking around. 
I think it would be good if we just for a moment would just inspect our life and what we truly believe in. Folks, are you here this morning and you are somehow just believing in this health and wealth? I just want Jesus to heal me and keep me healthy. And, and I just want these things. And if that's, that, if that's what I have, that is good enough. Is your faith in some kind of tradition or religion? Or is it in Jesus? This man forsakes it all. And lays down prostrate, not caring what anybody else thinks. Whether it costs him his mom or dad, his status in the synagogue, nothing. Because he has found the only one worthy of worship. Are you worshiping that one?